This episode is brought to you by Built Bar, a great-tasting, healthy, and nutritious protein bar alternative to some of the usual suspects you're familiar with. If you're looking for a softer, chewier, candy bar-like protein bar that still tastes good and has all of the flavors you want, including nut-free flavors, check out BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for a cheeky $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. If you're a new listener to Locked On Winnipeg Jets or a longtime listener and just haven't done so, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. On tonight's episode, I thought it'd be fun to tackle something that I saw the NHL website tackle recently with a tweet that they kind of got made fun of for because, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't particularly good. But they re-ranked the top 10 of the 2012 NHL draft. If you haven't seen the rankings yet, specifically just the first 10 uh, first-round draft picks, here's what they are in order. In this fantasy redraft, Andre Vasilevsky goes first overall to Edmonton, Philip Forsberg goes second to Columbus, Tevo Teravainen uh, to Montreal at number 3, Morgan Riley to the Islanders at number 4, Frederick Anderson at number 5 to still the Maple Leafs somehow. Uh, number 6 is Connor Hellebuck to Anaheim. Number 7, Jacob Truba to the Minnesota Wild. Number 8, Matt Murray to the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is uh, not exactly shocking. Number 9, Tom- Tomas Hurdle to the Winnipeg Jets. And at number 10, Jonas Corposalo to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Some of the picks after that start to get a little weirder. We have Matt Dumba to the Washington Caps at 11. Colton Pareko to the Sabres, at, which actually at number 12 might be one of the more accurate rankings, even though it's still not quite there. At number 13, we have Shane Gostaspare to Dallas. Number 14, Jakob Slavin to Buffalo. Can we just take a moment to think about the fact that if if Buffalo had any of these defensemen picked in the first round, how different their lives would have been, man. They would have had, like, an actual team. But, you know, the list goes on and on here. I'm not going to really belabor it, because some of it's, you know, eh, it's whatever. But I thought it would be interesting to talk about what an actual 2012 redraft would look like because when you think about it, five goalies in your first 10 picks in the first round is absolute insanity, especially when the first one is Andre Vasilevsky. And look, I, I love Connor Hellebuck as much as the next guy, but let's be honest, if you're taking him in a top 10 pick in a pretty decent NHL draft, you might be making a mistake. Five goalies in the first round is actually a lot, even if it wasn't top 10 picks. And here's the reason why. I think the biggest thing with goalies is that it's really hard to predict uh, NHL career success. As far as any of the talent is concerned, I mean, there's definitely first-round talent in these goaltenders, no doubt. And there definitely was at the time. But the old adage that goalies are voodoo does tend to hold true for a lot of netminders. And not necessarily that you can't predict them in the grand scheme of things. You will know who are, are generally guys who are good starters and have mostly big picture consistency you know I think what most people talk about when it comes to goalies or voodoo is when you have somebody like Frederick Anderson who has like a lot of hot and cold spikes during his career or you know a guy like Andre Pavlik who can one moment make these acrobatic death defying saves and by the other moment just look like a complete fool sitting in his net kind of waffling around and not really tracking the puck at all it's really hard to get a sense though of any sort of long-term within a measurable distance of consistency for goaltender performance because year-over-year goaltender performance is really volatile. So drafting one that highly is always a rough idea. 
I also just think that the picks that NHL.com made were kind of weird. I, I feel like Colton Pareko not being in the top 10 is silly. Same with Jakob Slavin. I looked over the entire uh, 2012 NHL draft, and to be honest, it wasn't actually loaded with a ton of NHL talent. The talent that was there did have actually a, a pretty good measurable impact on the league, but beyond that, I feel like there are a lot of names there that have been very mediocre. The deeper into the draft you go, you also find that there's just a lot of guys who didn't make the NHL, which is, again, not super surprising. Infamously, 2012 is also Winnipeg's Lucas Sutter draft, which is <laughs> a little bit painful to think about in a lot of respects. Um, at least it was a second-round draft pick at number 39, but I think most folks can understand that the Lucas Sutter draft always has something of a spot of infamy for a variety of reasons. Chief among them that Lucas Sutter just didn't really make the NHL at all. I mean, he wasn't really anything uh, at any professional level beyond spending some ECHL and AHL games out there. And not for the Jets, mind you. So, I'm going to break down some of the picks that I would make in the top 10, and we'll start off with the first overall pick for Edmonton. They picked Niall Yakupov, I believe, in their draft. But if they had it to do over again, I'm pretty sure they would not be taking Andre Vasilevsky. No offense to Andre, he's a fantastic goalie, but let's be real. Goaltender performance and the inherent mis mysterious nature of goalies means that you want something a little more definite and a little bit more, I don't know, let's say easier to predict, maybe? If you're drafting first overall, you need a real surefire pick, and I feel like you really can't go wrong with Jakob Slavin. Now, Slavin, I, I think, is a very interesting first overall pick because he's he's a very new generation defenseman, but he's very good at both ends of the ice. He has tremendous impact on your offensive zone activations, his ability to essentially glide between opposing defenders and set up his line mates with excellent chances just makes him such a well-rounded offensive threat. But I think that his ability to read defensive plays and establish zone domination in his own end really makes him a fantastic two-way defenseman. He's so skilled at both ends of the ice, and I think that he has a really heads-up read on when to make some sort of a, a breakout counter or spring his line mates for a nice breakaway opportunity. I mean, just the amount of vision and play-reading ability that he displays on a routine basis makes him a phenomenal prospect. I'm not sure what people thought about him in 2012, but I believe he was a fourth-round pick, which is kind of an unbelievable to imagine now. I mean, in, in 377 career NHL games, as a defenseman, he has 151 points. Jakob is a bona fide first-pairing elite franchise defenseman, and you just don't find guys like that on, you know, whatever draft pile you're looking at. And we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers here. If there's one thing that they've had a severe shortage of, it's always been defensive talent that they can rely on. They like gritty, tough guys, and I actually think that in some respects, Slavin has elements to his game that are a bit edgier, a bit grittier, and kind of fit that Edmonton work ethic, but they don't replace what makes him so good at everything else. He has a, a good mixture of brains and brawn, and I feel like that makes him a very competitive choice to go first overall. Speaking of competitive choices, many of you listeners are probably looking for something of a protein bar during these post-quarantine workouts that you're probably having to deal with. I know my own home workout schedule has been something of a mess recently because gyms are closed and I don't have a whole lot of space to set up gym equipment, and I kind of need a protein supplement that still allows me to get all of the nutrients and protein that I really want, without all of the extra calories that I'm no longer burning. If you're like me, then Bilt Bar has your back. 
Built Bar are great, friendly, reliable, and offer a fantastically tasty protein bar that's more like a candy bar. The inside is soft, chewy, and delicious. My starter pack ran out this weekend and I've actually had trouble trying to figure out what I want because you have 16 amazing flavors to choose from, 8 of which are nut-free. They're also incredibly healthy for you, with many of the flavors having 15 to 20 grams of protein, maybe 4 grams of sugar, and under 120 calories. I challenge you to find a protein bar that tastes as good, and is this good for you at the same caloric intake. If you want to give them a try, be sure to head on to BuiltBar.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON when you're placing your order for $10 off your first. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. And number two overall, I think that my pick for the second pick was going to be a lot harder. And I, I kind of debated this guy actually going before Jakob Slavin, but I think that what Slavin does in the position that he plays he just provides tremendous value, and he really is one of the best skaters in the NHL. The guy I'd be down with going number two overall is going to be Philip Forsberg, infamously known for being part of the Martin Erat and Philip Forsberg trade. Now, Forsberg would be going to Columbus in this instance. At number two, they actually drafted Ryan Murray in real life. But in a curious what-if situation, Forsberg to Columbus probably would have rewritten that team's entire composition. I think that what Philip offers, which is just game-breaking offensive talent, an incredibly potent goal-scoring prowess matched with unbelievable skating, I just think makes him a really complete offensive threat and the kind of winger that the Blue Jackets frankly don't have right now. The last guy that they had who's really equivalent to somebody like Forsberg, though I think this this guy is actually significantly better, is Artemi Panarin. Obviously, that, that skill comparison is probably a little bit unfair to Forsberg, who is, in his own right, a phenomenal forward. I just think that Panarin really is played on another level. But Forsberg is renowned for being one of the best goal scorers in the NHL, and for Nashville, a team that historically, while they do put a lot of shots on target and do tend to create a lot of offensive opportunities, maybe aren't known for being the most prolific goal-scoring outfit. Even still, Forsberg has been one of their top marksmen for the past several seasons, and it's clear as to why the Caps really thought that he was worth a first-round pick at number 11 overall. Obviously, the decision to trade him ended up backfiring massively for Washington and was a massive boost to the Preds, but in a you know alternate history where Columbus gets him at number 2 overall, he would have been signed to a lifetime contract. After him, I was still a, a little bit... I guess, hesitant on who to choose because I feel like this top five is really tight and you could argue that any of these guys could go before the other. I kind of want to lean towards, at number three overall for Montreal, Tevo Teravainen. I think that Teravainen is one of the most dangerous, most dominant, and most effective two-way wingers in the league. Really, he's such a complete forward. And his versatility, either at even strength or on special teams, just makes him a really rare kind of player. Somebody who can do literally everything and excel at almost all of it. Look, I'll be honest, I'm totally biased to finish wingers. We know this, you know this. We all love Patrick Laine. We love, um, to some degree, Christian Dessalainen. Some people hold a, a soft spot for Saminiku. Tara Vinen in that grouping is only second to Patrick Laine, and even then I think that he's actually better in a lot of respects. I think that Laine may be the better attacking forward because of his pure goal-scoring release and his exceptional vision and build-up play, but Tara Vinen is better at everything else and is still one of the most dangerous all-around offensive threats on the ice. 
he's so good at transitioning your attack from your own end to the offensive zone, and I think that that's what makes him such an exceptional forward. He's so smart, he reads plays well in advance of when they actually occur, and he has all of the tool sets that it takes to execute. The only thing that is kind of missing for Tavo is that he doesn't really have like a prolific goal-scoring sense and like an amazing release. He's definitely still a very a- active attacker, and he has a very good skill set and physical tool set, but he's just not quite at the echelon of eliteness that somebody like, you know, David Pasternak is in the sense that he can put up numbers, but maybe not quite the gaudy numbers you'd hope. On kind of a related note of not putting up gaudy numbers, I think number four, probably I would go with uh, Hampus Lindholm to the Islanders. I think that Lindholm is truly one of the best shutdown left-handed defensemen in the NHL. And even though he hasn't put up like a ton of career points, in 502 games he has actually amassed 194, which is a lot more than I thought it was. Hampus is kind of like Jakob Slavin's like Swedish cousin or whatever, and even then Lindholm was actually doing this even before Slavin was a household name. Hampus played a very mature, very sound defensive game before Slavin, I think, was even really playing a lot of NHL games. Very early on, he established himself as a quick top four option and ultimately has become a true top pairing elite left-handed defenseman. He's a smooth skater, and when he's on the ice, good things happen because he's able to use his frame to essentially seal off offensive opportunities at his own end and help set up, I guess, zone possession in the offensive end. I feel like I noticed that he's pretty strong on the puck too, which means that he can facilitate zone transitions, and he's just a really smart, versatile skater. I think that increasingly, these defensemen who are essentially forwards with more defensive acumen and an an ability to essentially shut down opposing rushes and counters is kind of what the league will trend towards. You know, while Lindholm is maybe not best with goal scoring or significant offensive firepower, I think that he provides a really complete back-end package that allows him to be useful in so many other capacities. He would be a fantastic defenseman for the Islanders and easily their bestie by a country mile, especially as Johnny Boychuk has gotten older. And as good as Pulak is, I really think that Lindholm would be like the centerpiece blue liner for them. I have been going really defender heavy in this initial first five picks, and I think pick number five is going to be yet another defenseman, but I think that this guy is totally worth it. At number five to Toronto, I, you know, would have hated to see Colton Pareko go there. Colton is almost an entirely unknown player at this point, if I recall correctly. I think he was coming out of Alaska, and not many people knew about him. But uh, Toronto ended up drafting Morgan Riley instead. And look, Riley is a talented offensive defenseman, and he's got a lot of traits which make him a gifted attacker. But I think one of the things that stands out is that in his own end, he's kind of a disaster. He's really sort of a one-way blue liner, and I think that that makes him something of a liability. Pareko, on the other hand, is a really sound two-way package with a dominant right-handed shot. He's got great skating, great vision, and he has such a massive frame that he often uses to just bully opponents. This dude's a big kid, and I think that even if his defensive IQ is is not quite at the cerebral level of somebody like Lindholm, he still makes more than enough do by just being incredibly strong in possession and ensuring that opponents can't get it off of him. He's also a big, powerful skater, and he has really, really sharp offensive instincts, which I just think makes him such a dangerous threat. You know, at even strength on the power play, Pareko really has a ton of offensive versatility, and he's safe enough in his own end not to be an issue. 
I think there's actually a very famous video of him now where he was uh, basically holding onto the puck behind his own net, and the ref told him to move it along. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it on my own time, which is kind of, I think, how Pareko approaches the game. He will absolutely press the advantage and attack, but only when he feels it's appropriate to do so. After Pareko, I started running into some issues trying to think of who I would take, because I feel like there's this general mass of really good names that I kind of like, and I think really have a lot of talent, but I don't know how I would rank them. But I'm going to kind of punt it here and, and say at number six, I would have liked to have seen Anaheim take Tomash Hurdle. Anaheim is in no secret of getting very old at this point, and they've had to try to rebuild their entire roster, especially the top six over the past couple of seasons. Hurdle going to Anaheim instead of San Jose would have been a game changer for the Ducks, because the Ducks obviously are getting older in, in offensive top six scoring, and Hurdle is a dynamo of offensive activity. He's got really great edge work, and he's got a nasty shot coupled with great vision and, and really good stick handling. I just see him as such a dynamic center, and I feel like Anaheim desperately needs somebody with a skill set to create more than they've been able to do so under their recent coaching staffs. The only thing with Hurdle is that I do think he has had some injury issues, and he is, while he is a really effective attacker, I don't know how strong his two-way impact is on the game. I think that he's a really dynamic attacker, and I think in that respect, you can't really go wrong with picking him. That said, the Ducks chose Lindholm, and I feel like they can be very happy with that choice. So they really didn't go wrong either way. It's not like they chose uh, Nail Yakupov at first overall. I'm starting to reach a little bit more here at some of these picks. I feel like the order is probably not what most people would agree with, but let's just roll with it for now. I think at number 7, Nikita Gusev to the Minnesota Wild would have been a massive coup. Gusev, I mean, what is there to say about him? He's a phenomenal attacking talent and New Jersey was very glad to get him basically for free. This kid has wheels, he's got a phenomenal shot, he's got, I mean, really aggressive skating, he's very skilled in the offensive zone, and sure, look, his defensive issues are pretty pronounced, and I think that his adjustment to the NHL this year was not exactly easy. I think it's also important to note that he is 27, he's not exactly young at this stage of his career, but when he was over in the KHL, he was putting up monster numbers year in and year out. I, I think the one thing that is kind of important to note is that, of course, the KHL is, is a very small league with a very select few top-performing squads, and Gusev was always playing in those conditions. But all of the offensive talent and skill that ended up getting him drafted by Tampa Bay, which, of course, Tampa Bay has very good scouting of Russians, you know, he was a seventh-round pick, but I, I think that you have to think about his potential as being a really explosive skater with a, a really great shot and sharp offensive instincts. And everything that Tampa Bay, you know, maybe one day dreamed he would become, he's doing for the New Jersey Devils. And at number seven overall, I think that that would have been a great pick for the Wild, who frankly need young offensive talent to take over now. At his age, he would have been very helpful for where the Wild are over the past couple of seasons, because in his prime, he would have been directly contributing to their playoff pushes, which they haven't really been able to do as much in recent times. At number 8 overall, and this will be the last pick of this episode, we'll, we'll pick it up tomorrow, but I, I'm really torn on this one. At number 8, I, I'm kind of leaning between Jacob Truba and Josh Anderson. I think that Josh Anderson is an unholy terror. I, I mean, I got to see this guy once. He was playing against Washington, I think with Panarin on his line. And this guy had like 17 shot attempts in one game, which I'm not sure I've ever seen somebody do. 
you know, I think a lot of people assume that Josh was kind of a bit of a grinder with with some offensive upside, but they thought that maybe Panarin was driving all of his success. It turns out that Josh is just kind of a monster on his own. All of that said, I, I think that I still have to go with Truba here. I think that Truba, in his prime, was a phenomenal right-handed defenseman with a booming shot, incredible skating. I mean, this dude is fast in the offensive zone. And because he's so powerful and strong on the puck, and he actually has pretty decent defensive instincts when you pair him with the right guy, I think that that makes him a very easy top-pairing defenseman. You know, when Morrissey and Truba were together, or, you know, I think at one point Truba may have played with Bufflin, I don't really recall. Um, but if you gave him somebody who was competent and skilled, or just a really good defenseman overall, then Truba's best qualities shone through. Obviously, Truba has had some more issues as of the past couple of seasons, but when Truba was at his best in the years that Winnipeg wasn't making the playoffs, this dude was one of the best right-handed defensemen in the league, and I feel like Pittsburgh would have loved to have had him. Especially considering they got Derek Pouliot instead. That that didn't quite age so well. But, you know, what can you do? Past is past. Retrospective is 2020 vision for hindsight. So uh, nothing you can really do about that. But I think Truba, in this case, was always going to be the better pick. Those are my first eight picks from the 2012 draft. I'm sure you guys probably have some hot takes about how bad they were. Because I'm sure that they were... Uh, there's plenty of room for improvement here, but that's kind of who I would think would go in the first eight or so. There's definitely room to debate the order, but I feel like based on team need and, and let's say, skill level and total career output over the past couple of years, that seems like a pretty sensible first eight picks. If you disagree, holler at me at HLLivingLoco on Twitter or holler at the uh, official Twitter account at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Before you log off tonight, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast hosted by Sarah Avampado. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great night and go Jets go.